1: All right, let's get this going. Four o'clock, Southern California Live. I say get this going. We should keep it going. We've been going here for an hour on Southern California Live. I'm Bob Lapine. On the Thursday edition, you are welcome to join us this hour at 888-52-TALKS. That's our number. We always love when listeners participate in the conversation. We just kind of pull up chairs here at the table, have have some conversation, and we love it when you drop in and are a part of that conversation with us. Um, on Sunday, last Sunday, Easter Sunday, at church, I, um, I, I preached on just, just thinking through the ramifications of the resurrection. I, I, I posed this question. I, I said, what if everything about the life of Jesus had happened just the way the Bible describes it? His birth, his life, his ministry, the miracles, the teaching, his death on the cross, his, his trial, his arrest, his all of it. Everything had happened just the way the Bible describes it. The only thing missing was the resurrection. And, and I said, what do you think? If we were doing alternate history. And Jesus had lived and everything had been the same except for the resurrection. How would life be different? How would history be different? How would our culture be different? How would the world be different? And as I prepared for that message, I I pulled up on Kindle a copy of the book, Unimaginable, What Our World Would Be Like Without Jesus, Without Christianity. Uh, that's a book written by Jeremiah Johnston, who is I'm a fan of his work, his writing, his scholarship. J- Jeremiah gives leadership to uh to a, an organization, a, a, a ministry, the, the Christian thinkers society. Um he he if you don't know about Jeremiah, if you're not following his writing, his teaching, his ministry podcast, the stuff, the work he's doing put him on your radar screen. He's one of those people that you should know about and be paying attention to. Uh, He has got a new book that has just come out called Unleashing Peace. How do we experience the shalom of God, God's shalom in our pursuit of happiness? And so I thought with the new book coming out, and because he was on my mind because of unimaginable. I thought, I'm going to reach out and see if he'll join us and spend some time talking about peace. And he was willing to do that, and I'm glad to have him with us this afternoon. Welcome, Jeremiah Johnston. Welcome to the program.
2: Bob, it's so great to be with you. Thank you for that generous introduction. I'm looking forward to our discussion a lot today.
1: Well, I am as well, and I'm I'm curious. I have to think that uh, in the midst of COVID, as you're thinking, let's see, what should I be writing about now? What should I be thinking about and studying and thinking about deeply? The whole idea of peace, we've we've not had a whole lot of peace in our hearts, in our souls, or in our (laughs) culture over the last two years.
2: That would not be a descriptor of the last two years for very many of us, would it? And yet, as God would have it, I've been planning this book for the last five years and finished it. Uh, before all of the craziness with COVID, or right in the middle of it, I should say, and little did I know all, you know, God's timing is just way ahead of us, isn't it, always, and it's exactly what we need right now. We need to understand what shalom is, how to live in it, how to get there, and the great encouragement is, for everybody listening to us right now, Bob, it is God's will for us to live in peace and shalom, but so many of us that's such a new term. I've had seasoned Christians, Bob, who've said, man, I, I I, have a coffee mug that says Shalom on it. I didn't know what it meant. I thought it was just a greeting, and it's so much more rich than that. And so uh it's been a blessing. You know, we, all, we often say, um, you know, we sh- if we would see lives changed, our life first must change. And I can honestly tell you as the author— God's taken me to graduate school on this subject of his peace, and it has been utterly transformational for me, for our ministry, and for my family just the last two years. I'm more excited about my life, about my family, what God's doing, because I can tell you uh, I'm living in shalom, and it's a difference maker.
1: Your family, we should say five kids, six kids, which is it?
2: <laughs> you know, I don't know. I get I get. I lose track right now. No, it's, uh, it's five kids. We have been blessed, and I tell people I wrote a book called Unanswered. And one of the questions was the silence of God. Be careful what you pray for, Bob, because we couldn't get pregnant for about five years. We struggled with infertility. And now we have five kids, and three of those are triplet boys, and uh, they are five. (laughs) So I haven't slept in five years since the triplets were born. It's great to be talking to you today.
1: (laughs) No wonder you're writing about peace when when you've got triplet boys at home.
0: (laughs) So for
1: for those of us who have got the coffee mug with Shalom on it and don't understand the concept, unpack it for us a little bit.
2: Absolutely. Such a huge—and again, I have a PhD, which means I know a lot about a little, Bob. And the little I know a lot about is the Gospels, the teaching of Jesus, the resurrection. That's my area of specialty. And what we miss, because we read the Bible with so much historical distance, we read the Bible with Western eyes, with individualized Christianity from the West, my job is to take, take every reader of the Bible back to what it would have been like when Jesus preached that Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and what His teaching would have been like, how we would have received it. And if I were to summarize all 760,000 words of the English Bible into one word— It would be the word shalom. Mm. If I had to describe the entire Bible with one word, it would be the word shalom. And it's in that Hebraic sense. What does shalom mean? It means to flourish, to be made whole, to be made complete, to lack nothing. And that's that Hebraic sense. Now, that is the Hebrew word shalom. And Bob, it shows up 550 times in our scriptures. And it's translated, interestingly enough—I know you're a great Bible teacher, so you'll love this—it's translated 70 different ways in the NIV Bible alone. So yes, it's a greeting, yes, but it's so much more than that. Since we're just coming out of Easter, as you mentioned at the top of the show, the last thing Jesus says before he dies on the cross, when he he ends his farewell discourse— in John's gospel, with the word shalom, John sixteen thirty three. What's the first thing Jesus says on that first Sunday of his resurrection? Shalom. So you talk about a mic drop shalom. Jesus is getting at something in his ministry. Does God want us to be happy? You bet he does. Does he want us to be full of joy? Absolutely. But way more than that, he wants us to live in his peace. We experience peace with God through Jesus. Then we have the opportunity to experience the peace of God. And Bob, that's where You know, I know you're a Christian thinker, Bob, and so many people listening to us are right now. And this is where I got a little frustrated with some of the books on the peace of God, because they don't necessarily explain how we get there biblically and practically. And so I felt like there was an opportunity for me to add my voice to that conversation and say, guess what? We can live in Shalom. Now, here's the immediate next steps for us to do that.
1: Now, is the reason that we don't live in Shalom because we are distracted by other things because of the presence of sin in our lives? Why, why is shalom out of reach for many of us?
2: So that is the that is such an important question, what you just asked. Why does it feel so elusive? If it shows up 550 times in the Bible, if this teaching of shalom literally was programmatic for Jesus's ministry, if it anchored everything he said and taught, if it's a descriptor for what the Christian life looks like, why can't I get there? Well, Bob, the first thing is, we need to teach more about Shalom. Uh, other than the Jewish context or Christians who've made their pilgrimage to Israel, we've, we've rarely heard this. Well, we need to recover a theology, as, you, as it were, of Shalom in our own personal lives. Secondly, so many of us are so distracted by just the anxiety. And, and one thing we learn when we live in Shalom, are you ready for this? Anxiety is not dangerous. We all have it. And anxiety is not a sin. It's not dangerous. It's not a sin. And when I live in Shalom, I learn how to manage the anxiety, the stress, and the uncertainties of my life. And I think most people are not there, Bob, because they don't realize it is God's will for them to live in peace. So many Christians, they would have more of the Greek term, "irene." You probably heard someone named Irene that's based off the Greek word "irene" for peace. Uh, And in the Greek sense, it just means an absence of conflict, more like a truce. That's why I go back to the Hebrew sense that Jesus would have understood of this flourishing, lacking nothing. And The problem is we have a lot of Christians. They might be living in a truce in their life. They might have just a a temporary absence of conflict or war, but, man, they're not flourishing in the peace of God. And so I want to explain to people, and this is why I wrote Unleashing Peace, yes, it is God's will for you to live in the peace of God. And guess what? Here's how you do it.
1: So there's, there is peace with God, there is the peace of God, and then there's, there is shalom between brothers as we experience the peace of God, right?
2: Absolutely. Shalom in our families, shalom in our marriages, shalom in our communities, shalom in our interpersonal relationships. It permeates every aspect of our lives. It's there for us. But yeah. you have to do certain things. It doesn't happen automatically. It's a discipline.
1: Jeremiah Johnston is joining us. His book is called "Unleashing Peace: Experiencing God's Shalom in Your Pursuit of Happiness." And I have to think that uh, many of our listeners today, if if I were if I were to ask them, "Have you experienced the peace of God in your life over the last year?" They would say, "Well, I've had occasions where I've experienced it, but I I could not say that I've lived in it." the way that you're talking about living in it. Um, So explain to me how your study of this has changed for you and your family, your own experience of the peace of God.
2: Absolutely. Again, these are awesome questions, Bob. Thank you for asking such wonderful questions that really get to the heart of the issue. I had to realize in my life that living in the peace of God, I can understand all about it intellectually, but hope does not come until I have a plan, and I want to repeat that. Hope comes when I have a plan. And, Bob, I realize I, I have a financial plan for my life. I had an educational plan for my life. We all have social plans, birthday plans. Guess what? When you study those that live in Shalom, in the in the Hebrew Bible, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament— It didn't just hit them. I wish, Bob, you and I could just pelt people with a Nerf gun of peace pellets. I wish we could just (laughs) take people out with the peace of God. It doesn't work like that. It always happened for the men and women in the Scriptures when they began to plan for the peace of God in their life. And I took great encouragement from several characters in the Scripture. These are real people, real places, real events. And yet many of them were racked with anxiety, like so many of us who are listening to this right now. They, they struggled with anxiety. I mean, the Apostle Paul, St. Paul himself, was a professional warrior if you study his faith. So there's hope for me. There's hope for you, Bob. Paul was a professional warrior. It's <laughs> fascinating to me. We often go to that great, probably the greatest anti-anxiety passage in all the Bible, um, what is... Philippians chapter 4, and we forget that Paul had been a Christian for 30 years before he wrote Philippians 4. And in fact, seven years before writing Philippians 4, in 2 Corinthians chapter chapter 2, verse 13, Paul is in Troas. He has this incredible door of ministry open before him, and yet it says, I had no peace of mind. So it took seven years for Paul to build a shalom plan in his life, a personal plan for peace. And when he did that, he finds himself in a jail cell writing to the church at Philippi, and he gives us this great Philippians 4 passage about letting the peace of God rule our hearts and lives. And so it's a longer answer for you to help. I want to I help people be able to relate. If this doesn't happen overnight, don't believe the lie of the enemy that you can't be depressed and be a real Christian. That's a lie. I know I've met many fine Christians who've struggled with depression, anxiety, and yet that lie wants to keep them isolated instead of building a care team around them like Paul had. And then we implement peace. So the first step to having the peace of God, Bob, is we have to plan for it intentionally.
1: We're talking with Dr. Jeremiah Johnston. His new book is called unleashing peace, experiencing God's shalom in your pursuit of happiness. Uh, Jeremiah gives leadership to the Christian thinkers society and I, I'm interested, you, you connect shalom and happiness in the subtitle of the book. Uh, there is a connection between personal peace and and happiness or joy or contentment in our lives, right?
2: Yeah, exactly. And this is my job as a Bible scholar. My job is to help Christians understand what the original intent of the scriptures were and what they are today, because they're timeless truths, right? Jesus, when he is using that word, happy in the Beatitudes. It's the Hebrew word Asher. I have a good friend of mine. He named his son Asher. That's a power name. I love it. That's the Hebrew word for happy. And the force of the Greek, Bob, when Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount, it's almost a giggly happy, if you can imagine that. Not superfluous, not superficial, but I am so happy. I'm living in the, sh- in the shalom of Almighty God in my life to the extent I'm almost giggling. I'm overflowing with the joy of God in my life. And again, that's the goal that Jesus has for us, and we have to, we have, to have correct teaching. doesn't mean we're not going to have adversity, but I'm not afraid of adversity if I live in the shalom of God. doesn't mean I'm afraid of anxiety if I have it, because everyone does. I'm not afraid of it. I'm living in the shalom of God. And so Jesus anchored happiness and joy. We're not going to be happy, we're not going to have joy, and we're not going to live in the fruit of the Spirit unless we have first allowed God's shalom and peace to be unleashed in our hearts
1: and lives. I don't know how many times over the last uh, two years I have cited, and I hope I got the address right Isaiah 26 3, I think is the verse that says, God will keep in perfect peace the one in whose mind peace. is stayed yeah. on him. So is it as simple as just keep your mind stayed on God and you'll be in perfect peace?
2: Well, that's the thing, again, where I want to help people first, because when when we are—it seems like such a simple thing, but when until we've been brought to the brink from anxiety, uh, until we've had a panic attack, and until I've had—I I had a panic attack. You know, by the way, it's the worst thing in the world if you want to have the peace of God to write on it. <laughs> I'm just being transparent with the audience today. I had a panic attack. And I thought I was having almost a heart attack when I had this. And so it's easy to say, I'm going to do Isaiah 26.3. But when you are choking from anxiety, when you feel paralyzed by panic in your life, the most courageous thing our audience could do is say, first off, guess what? God's peace is actually for me today. Um, and 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 I can get there. And you know what? Yes. So a a huge piece of this truth, Bob. So I want to talk about that more with you. And focusing on truth, because Paul in Philippians four eight, it's thirty two English words. There's one verb. It's the word think. So how we think has a lot to do with our our peace quotient in our life.
1: Yeah, and and this goes back to what we read in Romans twelve too. That we're we're not to be. Uh, We're not to be conformed to this world, we're to be transformed by having our thoughts, our mind, renewed. Mind renewal is a big part of what is missing. People who are anxious are not taking every thought captive, are they?
2: That's exactly right. And not only are they not taking every thought captive— we're not living in the shalom of God in that we're allowing these lies or these distortions about God or about who we are in Christ. We're allowing these distortions to be made alive in our life to where they're a truth, but they're really just a lie. You know, a lie becomes truth if you believe it. And so you can't believe those lies. And so, Paul, his secret in Philippians four A, when he says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's pure, whatever's noble, whatever's excellent, praiseworthy, he gives us um these wonderful things about our life to focus on. He said, You have to focus on those things. It's the Greek word legislamai. You have to you have to count these as true in your life and you have to do it every single day. And so there's a replacement theological therapy in our life where we all you know, Bob, we have 6,000 thoughts a day, psychologists tell us. So many of those are intrusive. So many of them are lies. And then when you throw on top of that our normal 6,000 thoughts, we touch our phone 2,000 times a day, and we see 10,000 media messages per day, it's going to be full of lies and garbage. And so you're exactly right. Romans 12, we have to renew our mind. 2 Corinthians 5, we have to take those thoughts captive and grab, crush, and kill those so we can move on in the peace of God. And so I wanted to get even more practical, though, Bob, and this is the cool thing about we're doing a tour right now called the Peace Tour. It's really simple, and it works in churches of all denominations, and I got to the point where, from my book, I created 20 rules to live by, to have—and that rules is a strong term, because it's not all-or-nothing thinking, but for me, the peace of God looks like freedom, not perfection. I wanted to live in the freedom that the peace of God gives me. I know it's not perfection, it's freedom. And I just started jotting down um, these these commitments I made for the peace of God in my life. One, I feel bad, it's, I'm embarrassed, it's on social media, there's a typo in it, but it went viral, Bob. And these were just the 20 things I had to commit to if I'm going to have the peace of God. I'd love to share some of them with you.
1: Yeah, and and I want to hear some of these. We're we're going to take a time out. We're, we're going to invite our listeners to join us as well. In fact, I would love to hear from those of you who are listening, if you have experienced Victory in this area, so you have dealt with uh, uh, with anxious thoughts you 've dealt with a lack of peace and you 've seen God move in your life i 'd love to hear your story call and give us your testimony what has worked for yeah. you and if you 're wrestling with this if you 're somebody who finds yourself plagued by anxious thoughts a lack of peace your your soul is troubled or downcast call us and let 's talk about that as well eight 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 Five two eight two five five seven is the number. Doctor Jeremiah Johnston is joining us. The book he's written is called "Unleashing Peace: Experiencing God's Shalom in Your Pursuit of Happiness." It's available now wherever you get uh, books, and I'd, I'd encourage you to get a copy of it. And we'll talk about some of the twenty principles that that uh, you have found that that. Have made a difference in your own life, Jeremiah. After we take this time out, and as our Thursday edition of Southern California Live continues, Southern California Live, KKLA, KPRZ. I'm Bob Lapine. On a Thursday afternoon, we're talking about peace and anxiety, and when your heart is troubled. When you are distressed, what do you do? How do you how do you live in peace? How does that become not the exception but the rule in your life? Doctor Jeremiah Johnston is joining us. He is the author of a new book called Unleashing Peace: Experiencing God's Shalom in Your Pursuit of Happiness. And you're welcome to join us at eight 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 fifty two talks eight 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 five two eight two five five seven Jeremiah, it seems like we ought to acknowledge that whether it's personality or biology or whatever, some people find peace uh easier to achieve than others and there are some people who are deeply distressed and and anxious um, not because they they're not trying to focus on the Lord, but just something about their so it's a mental health issue for them. Talk Absolutely. about that a little bit.
2: Many of us have a genetic predisposition for anxiety, depression, or any of the associated mental pains. I have also found that many people whom God uses mightily, be it Bible study teachers, Christian school teachers, pastors, those in ministry, the busy mom at home, uh, really struggle with this. And some of the finest Christian thinkers through history have also struggled with this elusive piece of God, this this experiencing the shalom of God. And I tell those stories in my book, Unleashing Peace, because there is so much bad teaching out there. And Bob, you know this better than most. Uh, there's so much poor teaching out there that, you know, a Christian can't struggle, or a Christian, you know, needs to just, you know, suck it up and pull themselves up by their bootstraps constantly. And yet, What we see in the Bible is something far different, and then there's some really encouraging stories of men and women whom God mightily used, and yet they struggled their whole life off and on with anxiety, and yet they found ways to live in the shalom of God even in spite of that. And I opened my book, Unleashing Peace, with a really powerful quote from C.S. Lewis, of all people. And of course, Lewis noticed even in his day, so we're talking, you know, in his generation, mid-20th century, um, he noticed that it's easier to say my my tooth is aching than my heart is broken. And he mm. talked about mental pain even in his own life. And so I share these stories in Unleashing Peace to encourage people as they're living in this. You know, transformation is a process, Bob. I wish we could just find the peace of God and not have to deal with it anymore. It's something we have to recommit to every single day of our lives. But it is attainable. And that's where I think... Um, I wanted to add my voice to this conversation, and I so appreciate your wonderful questions. I realize that it takes a care team, so I want to talk about that. We all should have a care team in our life. I also want to talk about what it looks like to have a personal shalom plan. What does success look like for me as far as this book and its intention? I want every single person that the Lord allows me to minister to to come up with their own personal plan for peace. In the book of Jeremiah and in the book of Ezekiel, there are two quotes that are almost identical. The prophets say, you search for peace, peace, when there is no peace. And Bob, who is his audience? His audience are the religious leaders. Mm. And so many Christians were looking for peace, peace, guess what? Where there is no peace. Mm. And so we have to find the source of peace, which is Jesus. And then we have to learn to live in the peace of God, which is learning to say no to certain things in my life. For the bigger yes so many christians their life is defined by conflict or a, or just a truce no god wants you to be defined by peace it's a discipline though that we have to sharpen every single day but the good news is you can do it and when you make those deposits every day towards the peace of god in your life you might not be able to see it instantaneously but two weeks later you're going to see it a month later six months you're going to be living a completely different life because you're living in the power of the peace of god
1: I do find it encouraging to know that people like Spurgeon battled with depression throughout his ministry and was he was open about his ongoing angst. Uh, King David I mean we can't read the Psalms without recognizing that David uh was troubled often and His soul was downcast, and yet he understood that when your soul is downcast, you don't let your soul control the situation. You start speaking to your soul and beginning to—that's part of the care plan you're talking about here, right?
2: You're exactly right, and and there is so much stigma related to this. And again, I mean this pastorally, Bob, but I preach in churches of all different denominations. I've had so many fine Christians who've been paralyzed by a false teaching that— are somehow a second-rate Christian if they need to go see a Christian counselor or a Christian psychologist. That's just terrible teaching. God has blessed us to have these wonderful Christian therapists, Christian psychologists, Christian psychiatrists. Um, The most important field for those of us that are listening, if if you feel a sense of God's call on your life, please consider going into Christian counseling, because guess what, Bob? I don't know if you've heard this, all of these Christian counselors, their book is totally full right now. You can hardly exactly. get an appointment. And yep. so we need more. And and yes, JV Phillips is a hero of mine in many ways. He was the successor of C S Lewis. He died in 1982. His story is so inspirational because he went to Cambridge and a devout atheist left there a believer in Christ. Had an incredible intellect. And during the Nazi Blitz of London, he was trying to <laughs> read the KJV to his youth group in the bomb shelters, and he realized that nobody in his youth group could understand it, the, the old authorized English. What does J.B. Phillips do in the bomb shelters during the Nazi Blitz of London? He starts creating his own translation of the scriptures in what he called modern English. Guess what he does? He sends it to his good friend C.S. Lewis. And when Lewis read J.B. Phillips' translation of Colossians, he said it was like looking at a family portrait that had been cleaned. And it was C.S. Lewis who got his publisher, Jeffrey Bless, to take a chance on young J.B. Phillips. And then millions of copies later, we have the J.B. Phillips translation of the Bible. Why did I share all that? Phillips struggled for 50 years of his ministry with depression. And back then, we didn't have the tools that we have now to identify it. He could barely go to his book signings, Bob. He struggled and agonized over it, and he talked about how you have to find the peace of God even despite feelings, to the contrary. And so I have a whole chapter on what do I do when I can't feel my faith, because our feelings will constantly betray us. And so I've taken such encouragement from these stories, I've shared these with the believers, and it is so encouraging to know, hey, we're all on the, a walk of faith. We live every day by the grace of God. But, hey, if we're not planning for peace, if we're not intentional about it, if we don't establish a care team, and if we live, listen to the lies of the world to just go self-medicate and binge shows all the time and live in the metaverse in a virtual world and we or gaming or be addict, we wonder why we don't have God's peace. God has a plan. It's not. It's, it's, it's a discipline. It doesn't happen automatically, but it is attainable.
1: We'd love to hear your peace stories or your peace questions. eight 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 fifty two talks is the number, 888 We're talking with Dr. Jeremiah Johnston. His new book is called Unleashing Peace, Experiencing God's Shalom in Your Pursuit of Happiness. You talk about the need for a care team. Just, just talk about how important it is for us to have community in this process.
2: It doesn't matter where you are in your walk with Christ, one of the most important questions you can answer for yourself right now is the following. Who is helping you right now in your life manage your stress, your anxiety, and your uncertainties? I'm talking to those who are just new in the faith. Perhaps you just became a Christian this weekend on Easter Sunday. And I'm also talking to those of you who are seasoned believers. Bob, I was with a gentleman recently, just sold his company for $500 million. And I asked him, "Who's helping you manage your anxiety, your stress, and your uncertainties?" He said, "No one, I need help. Will you be on my care team and he and this this was emblematic to me. It doesn't matter how successful you are. it doesn't matter how long you've been a believer unless you have a team around you that is helping you manage your stress, your anxiety, and your uncertainty in life, you're not going to win the way God wants you to win with his peace and so your care team needs to be established. And I was speaking in Louisiana recently, and I love doing this. I'm I'm with a family at dinner, and I just start talking about a care team, and the baseball coach in front of me just begins weeping. And by the end of our ministry that week, he walks up to me. He shows me a pad with five names on it. He said, Jeremiah, I've established my care team. It should hmm. be a physical medical doctor. Nutritionist should be part of your care team. I have a whole chapter it's amazing. The cheapest therapy we can do, Bob, is go walk two miles tonight before we go to bed for what it does mm. for our brains. Uh, it's amazing the payoff of getting out and having physical exercise, monitoring our nutrition. But then, yes, a pastor, a Christian counselor should be part of every single person's care team. With all the anxiety, the fact that we are living in an age that's described by panic. Every one of us should have a Christian counselor that we have as a lifeline to our families. And that's a good thing. That's a healthy thing.
1: You're you're telling me my wife is right when she says we should go for a walk, honey?
2: Absolutely. The payoffs are tremendous. (laughs) I interview a board-certified medical doctor about, I mean, there are studies, and it's fascinating what it does to just get a little bit, to get out in nature and exercise.
1: All right. All right. I don't want to hear about it. Okay. I don't want to hear about it from, <laughs> from you or her, her. Let's go to the phones. Evan is on the line. Uh, 888-52-TALKS is the number. Evan on Laguna Hills. Go ahead, Evan. Thanks for joining us. Hi. Uh,
3: thank you. Thank you for, for having me. Uh, yeah, you bet. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, can you hear me? Okay. You bet. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah. I, uh, so when I was uh, eight, uh, I want to say around 18. Uh, I'm gonna be 35 this year. Uh, I was diagnosed with um, OCD, anxiety, depression, um, and later down the line, I even got like a, a bipolar on there and whatnot. And um, in uh, 2019, um, I just decided to uh, just make some some changes in, in my life and. Um, you know, minus the ADD and maybe a little OCD, all the anxiety and depression just went away, and uh, I felt like it was just such an uh, amazing experience to see what God can do. Um, you know, it's been, uh, like, since, well, 2019, how many, how many years that is now of just, uh, you know, depression-free and, you know, anxiety-free, no, no panic attacks, and it's just uh, God's good.
1: So what, what changes, Evan? What did you, what did you do differently?
3: Um, yeah, so I was on multiple medications in my mental health history, uh, SSRI, uh, Klonopin, um, Adderall, and I, uh, I, I decided, uh, 2019, I, um, I, I had an overdose and all the, uh, depression and anxiety and everything, uh, just kind of overtook me. Um, so I had an overdose, uh, I was, super super uh, ashamed of it and um, just I did you know I just kind of saw how everything was impacting my family um, so I decided to just stop all my medications and I, I stopped everything and um, I, I realized uh, you know I, I'm 35 uh, uh, millennial I guess and so I growing up I was really um, I, I you know looking back on it I think I was I was really hooked on video games and um i decided to just cut it out completely for a full year and um i think just getting off the medication uh and fasting from digital entertainment uh and replacing that time with just reading scripture uh i got just more plugged in with uh, a christian counselor uh, and uh, i i would go on walks and memorize scripture and uh, memorize scripture and um it just seemed like instantly that week I just, everything pretty much went away. It all, it just, it all just vanished. It all just went away. Um, I, I still have, uh, you know, ADD, still get a little distracted from time to time, and I still get uh, OCD with little simple things like locks and whatnot. But it is, I, I'm a different person, completely reborn.
1: Well, I, I appreciate your story, and I, I do want to say for anybody who's listening, if if you're taking meds right now, be sure to consult your doctor before you just decide to right. go off, because uh, that needs to be handled appropriately. But but uh, I, I want to talk, I want to zero in here, Jeremiah, on social media, digital, online, video games, and how that may be feeding a lack of contentment or anxiety, but we've got to take a quick time out. Uh, We'll we'll have that conversation uh, when we come back as your Thursday edition of Southern California Live continues. Southern California Live, Thursday afternoon. Chuck Berry. I'm Bob (laughs) Lapine. Talking about peace this afternoon. We're talking about what it is that brings peace how we pursue peace, how we deal with anxiety. Susan in San Diego, I want to get to you in just a second. But before I do that, I just want to loop back to something Evan said. We're talking with Dr. Jeremiah Johnston, who has written a book called Unleashing Peace. And Jeremiah, when when Evan brought up his his uh, addiction, I think, to, to uh, video games, the fact that he was a regular video gamer, I thought, hmm, that's it. Is there a connection between people who are gaming all the time and anxiety or a lack of peace?
2: Absolutely. And the studies bear that out. I want to compliment Evan for his courage and his transparency to share what God's done in his life. And I praise God for God's work in Evan's life. He's been set free. That's so exciting. And yet what I heard was his personal peace plan, and I also heard him identify One of the triggers in his life was this addiction to gaming. And listen, I have five kids, as we already said at the top of the show. I understand how ubiquitous gaming is in our society, but there are these, and I have actually published this in Unleashing Peace that link um, gaming addiction with a higher frequency of suicide and other associated mental pain. And so, again, it's just another thing in our life that we have to learn to manage, and we have to manage it better. Uh, because again, the end result is really troubling to me. And again, this goes back. You also mentioned social media before the break. Um, you know, when we think about seeing 10,000 media messages per day, and I have a family of seven, so our family is getting hit with 70,000 media messages per day. I have to know how to put the guardrails up in my life because if I am constantly and obsessively checking the news, and obsessively checking my social media feed, and then I'm getting gaming on top of that, and then I'm binging shows, and I wonder why I'm not having more of God's shalom in my life. Mm -hmm. One of the greatest things you could do, and I, I love to get really practical, and I think that's the benefit of me going out, speaking, sharing this, listening to people's stories as we're doing on this program. There are practical ways. We can make immediate minor adjustments in our life, like A, stop obsessively checking the news, B, check my sources, stop being so easily provoked, stop the doom scrolling. When you do that, if you just do a news fast, you'll be amazed how much clarity and peace you're going to have after a few days of that.
1: 888-52-TALKS is the number. Uh, We're talking about peace. Susan's joining us in San Diego. Susan, thanks for hanging on for so long. Nice to have you on today.
4: Thank you. Hey, I just wanted to share I've had anxiety all my life, but just very, very minor until last September. It hit me so hard. Um, I had some physical um, problems come up, and uh, I just mentally couldn't handle it. And um, I had insomnia for three months, and I just was in this downhill spiral. It was leading into depression. And I just kept reaching out, and I said, I'm just going to get through this. And I did everything I could think of, um, starting with prayer. I was at church constantly having people, my elders, pray over me. Um, and I tried acupuncture, I did fasting, um, I went to counselors, psychiatrists, everything helped a little bit. Um, but what helped me the most, I believe, was my core group of friends that I, I leaned on. Yes. And they were all Christian friends, and they just encouraged me with Scripture. One of them in particular, uh, her name's Perla, she and I have um, just grabbed onto certain Scriptures And, um, we've got 10 of them that are all revolve around fear and anxiety. And as you can tell, I'm being a little anxious right now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But there were a number of other things, um, that I did. And I I think one of the biggest things was learning how to breathe deep belly breathing that just slows the body down. Um, there were lots of affirmations that were very helpful, um, There's something called the vagus nerve um, that you learn what that is and learn how to calm it down. That is helpful. Mm -hmm. Some of the things to calm your vagus nerve are like humming, uh, laughter, yawning, tapping on your forehead. Um, You can find all this stuff on YouTube. I just became a YouTube fanatic about anxiety. And um, there's just some wonderful stuff on there. There's a great association called ADAA.org, the Anxiety and Depression Association of America. They've got some great information on YouTube. Um, So I just, like, totally consumed myself with figuring out how to get through this. Um, I would say I don't think it's ever going to go away with me because it's just part of me, but it's under control. And um, some of the other things are, like, mindfulness um, tactics you know, being aware of where you're at in the moment, and another thing was renewing your mind with different um, affirmations of God's Word, such as, Mm. you know, I am still, I am not anxious about anything. God Susan this
0: power
1: love Susan this sounds like a peace plan to me and, and Jeremiah the between her friends who are affirming and praying for her and sharing scripture with her and the different steps that she's taking this is what you're recommending we need to do right
2: Yeah and I compliment you Susan and your friend Perla this is exactly how we have peace we have peace in community as a community of faith we isolation bob is the worst punishment for a human being. That's why we call it solitary confinement. And so many Christians, we allow our anxiety to isolate us. We start doing avoidance, which is a, self, uh, it's a self-medicating, but it's not healthy. We avoid situations that could cause anxiety in our life. And before we know it, we're a shell of what we used to be, because we've allowed anxiety to take hold. We fear anxiety, we fear panic, and we don't need to be afraid of panic. We don't need to be afraid of anxiety. We need to learn those skills and those tools. And what I'm hearing also from Susan from San Diego is she's learned these school, tools and these skills. And listen, the goal is freedom, not perfection. We're going to all have flare-ups of anxiety in our life, just like St. Paul had in Troas when he said, you know, I'm here. There's a huge door open to me. I have no peace of mind. I've been there. And so, again, I also applaud the caller's courage because here's the, the hardest part is asking for help. The hardest part is saying, hey, I need some help in this situation because there's so much stigma. And again, stigma is that Greek word stigmatos. It's literally the word we get tattooed from in biblical Greek. There's so much stigma in the church. We hesitate. We wait far too long to ask for help. And again, the most courageous thing someone could do as a as a action item from this call is identify like our caller has who are who's that group of Christians in my life so I can literally say hey will you be part of my care team I'm struggling you watch how you will have people show up and practice what I call in my book the ministry of presence in your life and when they practice the ministry of presence it's powerful and you get over it you can relate it's that superpower of vulnerability as well. When you begin to hear, like I have, other great thinkers, Bible teachers, solid Christians who have struggled, and yet God's given them victory, oh my gosh, is that a way to to plan? Is that an awesome way to plan for peace in our life?
1: Susan, thank you for your call and, uh, and, and for sharing, for being so transparent. We're talking to Dr. Jeremiah Johnston about Unleashing Peace. That's the title of his new book. Susan was talking about the need for for replacing, again, we've talked about renewing our minds, re- thinking God's thoughts, being in the Word. But she also talked about techniques like learning how to breathe right, or what was the nerve she was talking about, Jeremiah?
2: The Vegas nerve, the Vegas nerve, and it's something that Christian psychologists talk a lot about. Uh, unfortunately, so many of us, we think our faith is in what we feel, and that's that vagus nerve that runs literally. It's the largest nerve system in our bi- bi- body. Our faith is not what we feel in our abdomen. Our faith is not what we feel in our vagus nerve, and we do need to learn ways to calm ourselves. That, that was so important, the point she brought to light. But I also want to bring a further point to light. I have an entire chapter based on this. My faith, Bob, is not what I feel. My faith is what I believe. And for some reason, every time I say that, it gets people's attention because if we listen to our feelings, listen, I'm an emotional guy. I love emotions. I don't want emotions driving the car of my life. I want them in the back seat strapped in, but I certainly don't want them on the gas or the brake. Uh, So my faith is not what I feel. My faith is what I believe.
1: Jeremiah Johnson joining us, Johnston joining us this afternoon. I want to make sure listeners know J-O-H-N-S-T-O-N. Put the T in there so as you Google him, find out more about And And we should, can you in 30 seconds tell us about the Christian Thinker Society?
2: Absolutely. Being a Christian thinker is not just for the Delta Force Christians like Bob Lapine. It's for every <laughs> one of us. The The greatest commandment that Jesus gave was to love God with your heart, your soul, and your mind. And so our ministry is dedicating to helping every believer first answer the tough questions you face in life, and secondly, live the Christian life thoroughly, comprehensively, organically through having a thinking faith. All truth is God's truth, and so we help people unlock truth in their life in every area.
1: ChristianThinkers.com is the website, and you're on Facebook, Christian Thinkers Society. Folks can follow you there. And I hope our listeners will get a copy of Unleashing Peace and begin to develop their own personal peace plan, and I hope they'll follow your ministry as I'm doing, Jeremiah. I'm, I'm grateful to God for you. Thanks for the time this afternoon.
2: Absolutely, Bob, and I'll just mention it's been so great talking to you. Thank you for your sincere and wonderful questions, and I'll just mention my personal 20 Steps to Peace. I've got them. and get them free right on my website, uh, or excuse me, right on my social media, Facebook at Christian Thinkers. You'll see the 20 steps I try to live by every day.
0: Good.
1: That's, a, that's good for us to know and check out. Again, thanks, Jeremiah. And thanks to all of you who called in, shared your stories. We're part of the program this afternoon. Great having you here with us. We'll do it all again tomorrow at three. We'll see you back for another edition of
0: Southern California Live.